to serve and to take ownership of this church. And, and it was a wonderful time. And it really ties into what I shared last week. Before we do the big things, and, and we are, we're, we're looking forward to some really big and wonderful things. We see a playground, a future playground out here in the, the grassy area. We, we took a walk. And we saw upwards basketball. I mean, look up. Look at the basketball hoops. Look up. Professional goals. We walked out to the fields and we saw the potential for upwards soccer and places for concerts and, and a place for a prayer garden. Like these wonderful big things that we can do together. Like we can actually do this. But before we do the big things... We need to do the little things, right? And that's so true, not only uh, as a ministry and as a church, but that's so true in our own lives and our, our spiritual lives. You know, we always want to do the big things, but we've got to do the small things first, and we've got to do those well. And so what are some of the small things before we do the big things? Well, if we're going to do this together, what does that mean? We've got to attend, right? We have to be together. That's important, right? We need to plug in and connect and invite that others can come to know what we get to experience. We get to be welcoming so that every person who walks in here would feel welcome. Every person online would feel welcome. That we're not just individuals in a guest services ministry, but we are all guest services. That we would serve and give and invest. So let's do the small things. And in time, we're going to see God do the big things. Amen? All right, so this morning we turn back to our discussion of love, and, and really we're going to say love moving into service as we, we answer the question, how are we going to fill in the blank? How are we going to fill in the blank? And we've seen love unfolded before us over the past few weeks. In fact, I take you right away. So let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. John chapter 13. It's going to be our first verse. I'm going to encourage you to keep your fingers nimble this morning. We're going to look at quite a few scriptures. In our series, Blank One Another, how are we going to fill in the blank? Well, John uh, chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus' commandment tells us how to fill in the blank. A new commandment. And we answer the question, what makes that new? Well, it's a new standard. Jesus declaring a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to what? How are we to fill in the blank? Love one another. John 15, verse 12, Jesus repeats the commandment, this is my commandment, that you what? Love one another just as I have loved you. Now, over the last two weeks, we've talked a whole lot about love and, and this command that we receive from the Lord to love one another. And here's the truth. There's nothing more important than love. It is the most important thing. If we're going to, if we get love wrong, ain't nothing we do going to be right. The words that are coming out of our mouths can be 100% right, but without love, they're 100% wrong. We may be doing all the right things on paper, but without love, oh, those things are 100% wrong. We may have right theology and teaching and ministry. Maybe that's 100% right, but if it's not 
through love and by love. Well, it's 100% wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read it from the message. I, I just absolutely love this. It, it encapsulates the importance of love and the meaninglessness of everything we undertake without it. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but do not love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Now, is there anything more obnoxious than the creaking of a rusty gate? If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith to say to that mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm what? Nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say or what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. There are many things that are optional for the Christian. Love is not one of them. Love is the most important thing. It is the most important thing as it relates to us as Christians and also as us as a church. In fact, it is the one thing that truly sets us apart as believers, as the Lord's followers. It is not our style of dress that sets us apart as believers. It's not like a weird way of talking or walking where we just kind of float around, Lord be glory. That doesn't set us apart. Okay? It doesn't set us apart by our political affiliations. That does not set us apart as Jesus' followers, though the news outlet that we watch. We are not set apart as, as Jesus' followers by that something stinks face. You know what I mean? That when somebody cusses. No, that doesn't set us apart. In fact, we see what sets us apart. John 13, verse 35, by this, by this one thing, all people will know you're my disciples, or all people will know you're not. By this one thing, if you what? Have what? Love for one another. You see, what this tells us is the world has a love detector. Just like that, that, that person who's going down the beach, you know, and they've got those headphones on, and beep, beep. What are they looking for? They're looking for lost treasure. Well, the world's got a love detector. And they're going through this world and they, they bump up against Christians and in churches and, and they've got that love detector on and it, it's like, beep, 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 And they know. They know that there's something to be different about us, that we follow the God who is love. And if we say we're his followers, then we should love. And it's, it's so confusing to the world when they bump into a Christian or they bump into a church and the love detector goes over it. And there's nothing. It doesn't make any sense. Because if there's to be love found anywhere, it should be found here. And what we're going to look at this morning, and I, I hope that we leave with this, that, that, that love is not just a word. It's not just a word that we toss around. We don't just love in word. No, love is an action verb. Love is an action verb. It's not passive. It is active and it is alive. There should be evidence all over the place that there's love. 
That's like when you're, you're cooking a fresh batch of homemade chocolate chip cookies at home. You know what I mean? You know that smell when you walk in? There should be evidence all over the place. A little flour on the counter, an empty chocolate chip bag, five kids with their face plastered up against the glass of the oven. I mean, that's what it's like at our house. Waiting for the timer to go off, that rich aroma. You ever walk into a house and you got that rich smell of cookies and it turns out to be a candle? <laughs> that's a counterfeit cookie smell! What a bummer. Well, here's the deal. When people walk into the church, they should see evidences of love everywhere. Man, love should be in every Bible study. It should be in every exchange in the hallway. It should be found in our children's ministry and student ministry. It should be found from the parking lot in. It should be found in the way that we interact with each other on social media and the way that we connect with one another throughout the week. Love should be everywhere. Let this not just be a place of, of counterfeit love smell. Like people walk in and they're like, this place is supposed to be love. Oh, it's just a candle. It's not real. You see, we can put on the Ritz for a while. But people can tell after a short period of time whether it's real love or not. Love is an action verb there should be evidence everywhere that love is truly found here. And, and we're told how we are to love. Like, who is our example? Who is the great example? How are we to love like? Well, we're to love like Jesus. And in fact, there is, there is one event in history that like pinpoints, like we can pinpoint it and, and it captures and it displays and it demonstrates the, the purest quality and the, the highest level of picture, the love in its full and undiluted form. It's Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And we see this in 1 John 4.10. I love how John writes this. And this is love. This is it. And this one thing. Here's the greatest picture. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is, God sent his son Jesus to be an atoning sacrifice and in that, Jesus is our Savior, thus making the gospel the greatest love story ever unfolded. That God chose to save and send His one and only Son. And I hope that we, we come to understand that love, it's not just an experience of the emotions. God didn't just feel love. No, love is a conscious decision of the will. Love is not just an experience of the emotions. Love is a conscious decision of the will. And what I mean by that, love is a choice. I mean, think about these scriptures as, as we read. God made a decision. God made a choice to love fallen and sin-sick humanity. And it's a love evidenced by real action. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was manifest among us that God sent. That's a choice. It's an act of the will. God chose to love us by sending his one and only son into the world. Why? So that through him we may have life. 
that through Jesus and only through Jesus is their life. And not just uh, life in the sense of some time off when we breathe our last and we are raised from the dead in resurrection. I mean, that is eternal life, but life right now. That Jesus has come that we may have life and we may have it abundant, John 10.10. 10. That God is no miser. He wants us to experience the fullness of life. It's the manifestation of his love. God chose to love us. Think about this. God chose to give, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. You see, it was an act of the will. He chose to do this. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Life. Do you all notice the redundancy of the word life? What does that tell us apart from Jesus? What do we have? We, something other than life. That apart from Jesus, we don't have eternal life. Apart from Jesus, we don't have spiritual life. And God loves us, and so for us to have a relationship with him, God sent and God gave. It was an act of the will. He chose. And in fact, God has provided everything we need in Jesus to have eternal life. Everything that we need for spiritual life is found in Jesus. Here is, here is a truth statement. God loves sinners. As an act of divine will, God chose to love us. We, who are these unlovely and unholy creatures, well, now we turn the, the, the attention now to what we see in the mirror in the morning, to ourselves. How are we to love others? How are we to love one another? Well, in the same way, we make the choice. You see, love is an act of the will, whether we feel like it or not, whether it's difficult or not. And here's when love is best expressed. Love is best expressed when we are showing love to unlovely people. That's when love is best on display. Y'all, it's really easy to love lovely people, isn't it? But it's real love when we make the choice to love unlovely people. That's when we choose to love our spouses even when they're being unlovely, planting that big kiss on them in the first thing in the morning, even though they got that raging case of morning breath. It's loving our neighbor, even though that stupid tree keeps dropping its stupid leaves on my side of the fence. It's choosing to love that fellow motorist. Even though they just cut us off and all of a sudden speed down like 20 miles an hour and you're just like, oh, I got one thing for you. <laughs> do you ever, just out of curiosity, I, I don't know. Uh, do you ever think to yourself, maybe, like, I'm just going to bump them. <laughs> you ever seen fried green tomatoes? Y'all know that scene I'm talking about? That young lady pulls in front of the older lady. I'm younger and faster, and then she smashes into the car, and she's like, I got better insurance. <laughs> I mean, I never think that. I can't believe you sinners think about ramming people. Um, <laughs> but choosing to love them, and, and, and here's, here's what's crazy. 
This is, the, this is how, how much it costs us to love a fellow motorist who, who just doesn't—they're the most important person in the world. You know what it costs us? This. Just touching the brake. I feel like we can do that. I don't know. Let me try. Let me try it one more time. Love is a choice. It's a choice to not take things personal. To not run, keep a running list. Oh, I can't believe that. Oh, I'm going to add them to the list. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to add them to the list. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It's choosing to love one another in the church, even though we may not see eye to eye or agree on everything. I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to see eye to eye on everything. We're not going to agree on everything. But you know what? We agree on Jesus. And that should be enough. That we love Jesus together. And while we love Jesus, we love one another. We choose to love one another. And check this out. If we are waiting, if we are waiting for someone or something to happen before we show love, that ain't love. Okay, that is, the, that is the unhealthy behavior of the addict or the alcoholic where everything becomes about them. And like a raging tornado, they just plow through life and plow through their families, all the while claiming, I don't feel loved. This is the unhealthy and, and twisted behavior of the discontented wife or husband who seeks out relationships with others yet blames their spouse. I just don't feel loved. This is the distorted behavior of the angry churchgoer who just like holds up the deuce and like goes and finds a new church just because they don't feel loved. I don't feel it. And if I don't feel it, I'm not going to show it. And until you do this, 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 and this, I'm not going to show it. Y'all, that's not love. And in fact, what that is, is if we need to feel something or if we need something from someone else or some place or some circumstance and even God before we give something and it's not love, it's just a mechanism of selfish ends. Because when I don't receive what I want, then I blame and I point and I accuse and I wallow and I sit. You see, love, it's not self-focused at all. True love is always giving itself away. And so not only do we see love as a choice, but love is costly. Loving one another is going to cost us. Love always costs us. Because love is always sacrificial. That is what we see in John 15, 13. Love gives itself away. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I mean, that's the greatest picture of love. Laying down our life so that others may live. I mean, that's the ministry of Jesus. He is the good shepherd. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for what? His sheep. And literally just the verse right before that, I already referenced it. I have come that you may have life and life abundantly because the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life. And the good shepherd lays down his life so that we may have what? Life. And we're his sheep. That makes us his sheeple. And we're his followers. Give it a second. We're his sheeple. Someone's here. It's not that good, Chris. 
We're sheeple. <laughs> and you know what? We're to lay our lives down so that others may live. And I think in the big ways, like, we can think about that. We're like, oh, I could, I could love like that. But it's very rarely like taking a bullet or a cross for somebody else. Like, sometimes we think the big things like, I, I'll take a bullet for my wife. But will I do the dishes? I'll lay down my life for my children, but will I set aside my busy schedule just to spend time with them? Even when their little aching hearts are going, Daddy, Mommy, I just want to spend time with you. Well, it doesn't seem all that productive. You know what it's producing? A child who feels loved and who has a foundation to build on. And you, you get to watch them grow up. It's the greatest privilege. You think your career is your greatest undertaking? What a scam. Your career isn't going to stand up at your funeral and talk for you. Your kids will. Your grandkids will. We say we love, but are we willing to lay down? We say, oh yes, I'll die for Jesus. I'll put my life on the line. I'll die for Jesus. But will I serve in children's ministry? Or will I just show up a little bit earlier? You see, it's easy to say we do the big things, but can we just do the little things? Because love is the little things. Love costs us, right? Like it costs us time and our agenda and our comfort and our resources. It costs us ourselves. Like, we're, I know, I, I'm pretty important. <laughs> and in fact, if it, if it isn't for the grace of God, I think I'm the most important person in this world. I can make everything about me. Thank God for grace. Because that's spiritual insanity. Thank God. It costs us, but it's such a good cost. It costs us the ability to always be right. Anyone else in here like to be right all the time? I know some of us are like, yes. <laughs> this, this person... I love 1 Peter 4, 8. Check this out. This is so good. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That means fervently, like passionately loving one another, fiercely love one another, since love covers what? Love has an absorbing quality about it. You see, love, when it's real love, it can absorb the failings of others. That's why unforgiveness is, a, is, is an unloving thing. It's unloving to be unforgiving. You see, God, who is love, chose to give and send his son to suffer and die on the cross and through faith to have our sins forgiven. We are cleansed and we are forgiven. We are made righteous in Christ. And then we are to be recipients of this divine love, this divine forgiveness, and we are to shower it on everyone else. So if we're holding on to something and we're not letting something go, it is actually unloving. It's not loving that person. Now, that doesn't mean we continue to put ourselves in a position to be hurt by people, but what this does mean is that we are able to love people. And that means at times we love from a distance but we still love. 
And what's so wonderful about love is that it absorbs the failings of others. You know that? You ever do this? Like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. Even though, like, literally yesterday, we're saying the same exact thing or doing the exact same thing. How many of you appreciate when somebody absorbs your failing and is able to look past it? Does that feel good? Yeah. Do unto others as you have them do unto you, right? Love has an absorbing quality. And so let's, let's just kind of break this down again. Love is a choice. It is costly. It's not just a word. It's an action verb. And in fact, one of the greatest demonstrations of love is service. So let's, we're moving now in our one another series, blank one another, and, and we've established love one another, and we're going to see that flowing from love one another comes everything else, comes serve one another, and encourage one another, and, and harmonize with one another. See, this is, it's love in action, love. These things flow from love, and, and we're going to look at how love is expressed in service. Because family, as believers and as Christians, we have a high calling. And in fact, it's the lowest calling. We're called to do something truly great by doing something incredibly small. We're to follow in the Lord's footsteps and in His purposes. And one of the great declarations of Jesus' purpose it's found in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This is Jesus' purpose statement. This is why he came. And, and it's startling to think about. I mean, we quote it often, and we have some recognition that somehow, some way, we're supposed to emulate this. We're supposed to live this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to do what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The greatest act of service was Jesus laying his life down on the cross for our sins. The greatest second picture that I find in the scriptures of Jesus serving is found in John 13. And so let's turn there in our Bibles. I'm going to introduce this passage. This is what we're going to pick up in our, in our following messages in this, in this series. But I kind of want to set the table... In John chapter 13, we see love on display in, in one of the most humble acts of service. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. That is where we, we see the, the Last Supper. He's with his inner, inner 12, and in fact, soon to be inner 11. This is, these are the final moments that Jesus has with his disciples, and he does something startling, utterly loving. Love on display through service. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, before Jesus' suffering, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he did what? He loved them to the end. I know we're talking about service, but I got to say one more thing about love. Y'all all right with that? Because when I read that, you know what this tells me? Love doesn't quit until the finish line. Love doesn't quit the marriage. Love doesn't quit the church. It doesn't quit to find greener pastures. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. Love doesn't quit the family. Love doesn't quit. Love sees it through all the way to the very end. 
And in fact, this is love. John 13, verses 2 through 5, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus is going to wash the betrayer's feet. This is crazy. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that I only serve people who are worthy of being served. Really? Because Jesus is going to wash the feet with the straight, wash the feet of the straight-up devil in their midst. We'll get to that. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, Jesus, no identity crisis, he knew who he was, the absolute authority of heaven. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He literally kneeled in front of each disciple and began to wash their feet. The scene, it's shocking and unbelievable. I mean, no self-respecting rabbi would ever take the posture of a foot washer. The disciples wouldn't. I mean, they had all walked into the upper room. They saw the basin. They saw the towel. They saw the water. They're sitting there bickering and arguing about who's the greatest. Certainly none of them are going to wash, wash feet. They're dropping resumes. They're not going to drop the charade to drop onto their knees and be of service. But Jesus, their Lord and their Master, lays aside his outer garment like he laid aside his glory. And just like he took on our flesh, he took on a, a servant's towel, and he humbled himself, and he began to wash feet, the unthinkable. And what we'll come to see is that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world are not the same thing. Because we live in a kingdom that strives for position and title, and in Christ, we give up all position and title. In fact, we take the one position, the one title, is that of servant. And we're going to come to discover that the kingdom of God is not, is not driven by the same principles as the kingdom of this world. And we're going to pick this series back up on the 16th, but next week, it's Mother's Day. Hi, Mom. Mom's in the house. Mother's Day, it's a great, a great Sunday. Well, we have a special guest, our missionary from Haiti. Andrickson Descalinas is going to be here, and he's going to share about what's going on in Haiti, and, and we're going to be in prayer because things are really rough right now in Haiti, really rough. And he's going to share his story and what's happening, and these are missionaries that we support every single month. You support and so please support uh, by being here next week. But when we pick up this, this series uh, on the 16th, what we're going to come to see is that lowly and humiliating posture of service is the way of greatness. There is nothing greater than being a servant, and there is nothing lower than being a servant, which is where we'll pick up our, our series on the 16th. So a few spiritual recommendations. For us this morning. Make the choice. Let us make the choice to love this week. Don't believe the lie that something has to happen before we show love. A 
It's not first and foremost an experience of the emotion. It's an act of the will. Make the choice to love this week. Secondly, be willing to pay the cost. It's costly. It comes at a cost. It's not free. But then I think about, like, the cost that Jesus paid to love me. And I'm like, applying my brake? I think I can do that. Taking out my rake and picking up the leaves and not complaining, just telling the neighbor I love you? I could do that. Doing the dishes? I'll have one of my kids do that. <laughs> I'm not sure where to go from there. <laughs> But let's be willing, right? Yeah, let's be willing to pay the cost. It's, it's not that expensive when we compare it to what Jesus has done. And then finally, look, look out for it. This week, you're going to start seeing it. You're going to start seeing wash basins. You're going to start seeing towels. And you're going to start seeing pitchers of water. And what I mean by that is opportunities to be of service. Be on the lookout because the Lord's going to show you ways you can be of service this week. And let us start every single morning this week by saying, okay, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Lead us this week. Show us how to be of service. Fill us with your love, Lord, so that we can pour love out on others. If you have not received Jesus as your Savior, please understand you were loved by God so much so he gave his son on the cross. The Bible declares that all who believe in Jesus' work on the cross, his death for your sins, his resurrection for your life, all who believe, all who cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I believe, will be saved. If that is your heart this morning to be saved, ask and you shall receive. Seek, you will find. If you desire to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning in the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. Please save my life. I invite you in. The Bible declares that all who call out upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If that is you, welcome to the family. Lord, lead us this week. Show us the wash basins. Show us the towels and the pitchers that we can be of service, that we can honor you, and that you be above all glorified. We love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, let's stand together and stretch. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Hey, we're about to go out into the world. Are you ready? Are you ready to show love? (laughs) Are you ready to show love? Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. 
help the suffering, and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now let's lavish love on one another as we carry it out to the rest of the world. Have a great week.